Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Today on our show, we're talking to Diana Lidstone. She's a strategic marketing and growth catalyst who has helped numerous businesses grow, and she has successfully exited a number herself. We talk about technology, mentoring, and how to build a business that actually is easier to run and simple. And it's all around building irresistible programs with lots of value so that you can scale. It's a great episode. I hope you join us. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. My guest today is the great Diana Lidstone, and she is a strategic marketing and growth catalyst. And I can't wait until we dig into what that is. But first, Diana, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Wendy. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you, Diana. So here we are at this point in your life and you, you're an entrepreneur. Have you always been an entrepreneur? Ooh, good question. I haven't always been, but for almost 40 years, I have been. And I, you know, I only worked in corporate very short number of years and found that I was kind of a round peg trying to fit into a square hole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I was uh, too outspoken, that sort of thing. And entrepreneurship really kind of fit the bill for me. That's awesome. Yes, square peg, round hole. I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel that way. Um, I never feel more alone than when I'm in a room of corporate people. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) What do you mean you have this problem of not being able to go as far as you want to? Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I love that we're driving our own buses, Diana. So how did, have you always done the strategic marketing? Like what is your journey to where you are today? Ooh, no, I haven't always done strategic marketing, but yet it's always been part of what I did. So if I look back um, when I started my first business, which was almost 40 years ago, my son was, um, I think about three years old. I didn't want to go back to work. And I started what would, be known as a virtual assistant business today. So it was at home, you know, I put ads in the newspaper, uh, you know, way back then, bought an IBM computer that, you know, I think, well, I do know there's more memory in our phones today than there was in that computer. So I had to market my own business. Uh, I did that for a number of years. My husband got transferred And um, yeah, every time, and he got transferred, Halifax, Montreal, Halifax, Montreal. And I went, I keep starting this business over again. And by the last time he came back, I said, okay, I'm kind of done with this type of business. The kids were older, they were in school. He was higher up in the corporate world. And he always said, the higher up the ladder you are, the closer you are to the door. Well, and then came, you know, a couple of recessions and that was the case. 
the year 2000. He was mm. given the golden handshake and we're going, uh, and by this time I had started a retail business. Oh, okay. Yeah. I <laughs> didn't know what I was doing, but I went out and we bought a building and uh, I became a retailer, independent retailer. And really that's where I had to pull up my socks and learn about profit loss, uh, numbers, inventory turns, hiring, firing, right. uh, working with the team, all those kinds of things. And I started that business not knowing any of that, but turned that business into a very profitable business. So marketing my own business always was yeah. part of what I did. After I sold that retail, we sold the building and I closed that business. I kind of wandered a little bit, like not literally wandering, but didn't know what I was going to do and actually got a job working for a financial advisor. Okay. And he needed somebody part-time to create some marketing for him. So I did. Uh, we created this whole series of workshops for women. Mm. And, you know, till this, to this day, he still says that was the best marketing that he ever did to grow his business. But then he left that particular company. Mm -hmm. And as you know, in financial planning, when you leave a particular company like that, you do not automatically take your client list with you. Mm -hmm. you there was start all over again. You start all over again. Exactly. And that's what he had to do. So there really was very little money for marketing. I stayed with him for a couple of years and then went on and decided, or somebody said to me, a good friend said to me, you know, Diana, you've built several businesses yourself that were quite successful. You've helped, you know, marketing with this financial advisor, which was very successful. Why don't you teach other people how to grow profitable businesses? So this is back in, I don't know, 2013. And I'm kind of scratching my head going, you mean someone would pay me for that? <laughs> this is what happens when we market our unique ability sometimes, Diana. <laughs> It's so natural and inherent. We get it so easily. We don't understand why everybody can't do it at that level. I know. I know. And I've seen it time and time and time again. And so over the years, since 2013, I've done a number of things, you know, hosting live events for women entrepreneurs. I did that for a number of years, both in Montreal and Ottawa. And that was a great learning curve. My clientele at that point was a lot of coaches, but the coaching market today is so flooded, mm. if I can use that word nicely. Yeah. In the last few years, I've worked more and more with professional service firms, uh, women who own their own companies, mm -hmm. uh, lawyers, IT companies, accountants, financial advisors, that type of thing. And so those are the companies that I work with now. Well, those are the women that I work with, although there's the occasional man. And so it is about strategically marketing your business mm -hmm. so that you can grow and scale it without you having to do all the work in it. Such a big change too. If it's okay, I'd like to go back to the retail for a second, just because mm -hmm. professional services, we don't necessarily have that same amount of moving parts, if you will. Exactly. So how did you educate yourself? What were some of the 
biggest challenges and lessons you learned in that place? Because I have a feeling that was where the cauldron of growth came for you. Yeah, I was lucky uh, in a a couple of things. Uh, Number one, my husband had a business degree. And Mm -hmm. so he insisted when we opened this retail store. So think, you know, before 2000, it was 1995 when we opened it. He insisted that we have a point of sale computerized system, which was almost unheard of for small standalone uh, businesses. And all our inventory was entered in that POS system and tagged before it went on the floor. Nice. So that was number one. Number two was I had another mentor who was a gentleman who had a clothing industry, well-established a clothing, sorry, retail store down the road. And he shared so much valuable information and perspectives to me. I mean, you know, winter days when nobody is out, he would come and sit in my back office or I would go to his back office. You know, we trudge, you know, through the store, through the snow to each other's stores and um, we'd sit there, you know, and have great discussions. So if I hadn't had those people in my back pocket kind of thing, I know I could never have taken the business and made it as successful. So it feels like I would do if I could take these down into being an early adopter of technology was a key driver Yeah, that identifying and having regular conversations with a mentor like person was a difference maker for you in that respect. For sure. For sure. And, you know, my husband had insisted a few years before that, that I take a university level accounting course in Uh Halifax. Yeah. And when we were living there and I had, I hate, sorry, I hated it. I hated every moment of it, but it was the best investment in retrospect because I understood the the number. Did it shift by taking that educational component? Because I run into a lot of people, they may not inherently tell me they hate the numbers or are afraid of the numbers, but there's uh, sometimes an avoidance and a procrastination around that particular activity. So Please, if you could elaborate a little bit on your mindset before you took the course and the mindset after the course around your numbers and KPIs in your business or key performance indicators. Yeah. So I'll go back to uh, sort of my family situation, my parents. Let's go all the way back. Oh, yeah. My mother was a spendy Wendy. (laughs) Yeah. And I have inherited those characteristics. Mm. Taking the accounting course made me very aware of my patterns. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, I go, oh. so my husband acts as my bookkeeper accountant in my business currently. And, you know, I have to keep track of where I'm spending my money because, and he can, you know, kind of press my buttons because I could spend it all away. Yeah. So taking that course made me very aware. Mm -hmm. Did it change? Yeah, I think awareness does change what you actually do. I do think it changes your decisions. And um, I talk a lot about that myself because when it comes to spending, I'm not like when I put a spending plan for some together, I'm not this rigid. It's more of. Here's some guidelines and here are the things I really, if you're going to exceed the guidelines, 
I want you to have a conversation with yourself about, is it worth it? Exactly. Because sometimes it is. Yeah. But yeah. I, you know, if you don't ever have that conversation, you just keep spending. And that's, you know, unfortunate that I see so many, and I'll say women entrepreneurs who they're like ostriches when it comes to mm-hmm. the finances, they, maybe they have a bookkeeper, but they're not getting information from that bookkeeper. They're not getting relevant information. They don't understand the information. They don't understand the, you know, somebody gives them a financial report, uh, an Mm -hmm. income statement, a balance sheet, and they have no idea their eyes glaze over. And I think that's sad. It's unfortunate too, because what I find too, is even if they're looking at it, if they haven't, if they don't have a grasp on what they could be or should be measuring, an example I'll use is I had a service provider who does jobs. So she has her labor plus materials that goes into the jobs. And I'm like, okay, so tell me what's your average profitability. And there was no way in her accounting system that they were doing that. And I'm like, well, it's hard to make decisions about what to promote and where to direct your sales energy if you don't know what's the most profitable and giving you the most amount of cash. Exactly, exactly. And I work with a lot of entrepreneurs to help them simplify their business because- Mm. They're doing too As entrepreneurs, we're the creative type. And so if something doesn't work, we go, oh, I'll just create a new one or I'll just add a new one. And it's really hard to scale a business, scaling, which means, Mm. you know, the revenue is, you know, there's a huge gap between revenue and the expenses and it keeps growing. That's what's scaling. And effort as well. Yeah. And so it's really hard to scale if you have too many offers, if your business is really complicated. So one of the first steps that we do is how can we simplify that business? And you can't simplify if you don't know your numbers. Truth. Hashtag truth, and you're speaking my language. It's all good. Okay. Your business is making a profit. You're growing, but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success. Don't worry, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your financial diagnostic score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to totalwealthscore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth. When did you start with the offering and the niching? You so you've niched down to women service provider entrepreneurs. When did you make that decision? And what do, what do you think are the three key things that people in that field need to know? Oof. Okay, I have to. That's obviously. I I know number one is simplify. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I learned while I was hosting my live events that mm-hmm. when you have a room full of women. It's a very different conversation when you have a mixed group. Women will talk about very different things. Women won't, if it's a mixed group, they often won't uh, share certain things in front of men. And so the conversation- Less willing to be vulnerable? Yes, less willing to be vulnerable, less willing to speak up, less willing to share the God's honest truth. Okay? Okay. So that was one thing about women. 
a service-based, service-based is different than product-based, right? On so many levels. On so many levels. And I have tried working with product-based because, you know, when I had my retail store, that was product-based. I had inventory and whatever. But I have found that, and you probably see this too, that over the last, I don't know how many years, but service-based businesses founded by women, there's been a huge growth. And these women are experts in what they do. Absolutely. Uh, that's the brilliant part. But a lot of them don't understand the the backside or the business side. A little bit like the whole e-myth book of the pie maker who knows and makes excellent pies, but doesn't know all about the accounting and all about the HR and all about exactly. the other systems that allow people to get to their pies. Yeah. Yeah. So I say it's, um, you know, business is like your business is like having a coin. There's two sides to that coin. There's your expert side Mm -hmm. and then there's the business side. And yeah. So you, many of them, you know, go and get certifications or they leave corporate uh, and they've got this expertise, but they don't know how to turn it into, or they don't know how to monetize it. They don't know how to create a business around it. So that's. So that's know. one thing, but I also would say, is there a challenge around creating product? Yes. So Be- can you talk yeah. a little bit about what it means to create a product in a service-based business? Like your business, you have created a product. Product allows you to shift from being this super customizable, whatever, one-on-one all the time. And when you are one-on-one like this all the time, there's there's a ceiling, there's a cap on how many hours and how much income you can make because your income is tied to the number of hours. I call it selling time. And time selling is time. finite as, as is the amount people will pay for it. Yeah, yeah. So having a product to sell is like having or a product, we'll call it a product, a program. Program, let's go program. Program is like having a product. So it would be like walking into my retail store and you want to buy this pen, right? Mm -hmm. I can sell that pen over and over and over again. It doesn't need me necessarily there. So having a program, having one program that you are well known for and you build your reputation around is really key. So I call that a core program, core offer. And then you have a downsell or an upsell. Oh, fascinating. First, before we go into the upsell and downsell, what are the characteristics of a good pro core program? Oh, that's what I teach in one of my programs is. Oh, wait, <laughs> yeah. excellent. Well, let's put a link into the chat about that program for you, Diana. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, what makes a good program? It's got to be irresistible. It's got oh, what makes something irresistible. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to address what your prospect is subconsciously thinking, right? Because they're going, what the heck are you selling me? Mm-hmm. And sometimes the name itself mm-hmm. can indicate. So yours is the total wealth, wealth blueprint. And I go, oh, I know what she's selling me. Mm-hmm. Right. So what is it she's selling me? what's in it for me? Mm. Like, what is that going to do for my life? How is it going to make my life better? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be worth my time 
my money, my investment. And I mean, I was just going to ask, are consumers more skeptical these days so that you have to be even more clear about these things? You could say that. I think that they're doing this subconsciously. They don't even know they're doing it. It's like in three seconds, they're going like this. Okay. So total wealth blueprint. I go, oh, okay. It's going to, you know, total wealth. I understand. It's going to give me a blueprint. That's step-by-step. It's going to make my life better. Mm -hmm. Now, if you were to tell me, you know, how much it is, I wouldn't necessarily perhaps go, okay, that's for me, but you're going to build in value to it when you explain that. Yeah. What is that built-in value? And they have to understand that it's irresistible because there's so much value in it. Yeah. It's how it's positioned. Transformation coming. Yes. What is a downsell? A downsell. So I'll give you an example. I have a program that is currently called Differentiate to Grow. In other words, how to differentiate your business and accelerate revenue and authority. That's my kind of my mid-level. It's my core program. My downsell is a something that is less. Maybe it addresses a problem that somebody has and they want to just get a taste of working with me. So and the downsell, is it still involve your time or is it more of a DIY? Where do you fall on that? For me, it is a, a workshop and I can run this workshop, you know, three, four times a year. It is a way of for people to work with me, you know, not a big commitment. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, half a day here and half a day there. Gotcha. So that's a downsell. The upsell would be what is the the red carpet version, mm-hmm. right? So the red carpet version would be what I call my business accelerator, which is working with me privately for a year to really, you know, turn your ship around kind of thing. So that's just an example of how I teach my clients to build their programs, offers, assets, whatever you want to call it. Right. So how, who, who needs this type of programming? Like who are the, like, so obviously women in professional services, but what else is a characteristic of someone who should be working on these programs and the upsells and the downsells? What, who does that look like? It could be women in professional services, but here's another example is somebody who has a cleaning business. Mm, Okay. Okay. A cleaning business. And they offer, you look at their website and you go under services and there's this long list, like 15 different things that they do. And I remember this particular individual and I said to him, I said, so you're just like every other cleaning service. Oh, you offer all these things. And he goes, stop. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I didn't say it quite like that, but you know, but that can be hard to hear sometimes hard to hear, but you know, when you're struggling Mm -hmm. and you want to make a change, then stop doing what you're doing and do something different. And people get stuck there. It's scary. Mm. it's scary to make a change. And so this particular individual, I said, after a few conversations, what do you do differently than anybody else in your industry? He goes, well, I have this amazing green solution for commercial surface cleaning. And I go, well, I don't see that anywhere. And he goes, well, you know, I sort of talk about it a little bit. And I said, well, why don't you make that the thing that differentiates you? Yeah. 
and focus on that. And when he did, then the business turns around. And, you know, he was doing commercial cleaning and window washing and residential cleaning. And again, when I said, which is your most profitable, Mm -hmm. you're going to simplify your business. What's your most profitable? And he went, well, without a doubt, commercial. I don't know, but, you know, stop all the rest of that shit. (laughs) You know, what's interesting, you're making me think it's sometimes the cobbler's shoes, right? Of course. It's so obvious at times, but when we're in the middle, when we're in the forest and all around us are all these trees, it's super hard to get up to look at the whole forest. Yeah. Another analogy that I like using is, you know, if you have a jar and your business is in that jar, it's really hard to read the label on the outside. And, you know, having someone come in with a different perspective can shift things totally. But and I do know that it's it's scary for entrepreneurs to think, you know, I've spent five years, 10 years, whatever, building this business and someone else is going to come in and suggest I do something differently. Yeah. You're talking about getting some courage. <laughs> some bold moves. Bold moves need courage. Oh, yeah. man. Um, what haven't I asked, Diana, that you think my audience of entrepreneurs should know? Well, one of the things I've been talking about lately is this fact that a lot of entrepreneurs believe that they need to be on all these social media platforms. Yeah. And I say, guess what? You can build a business without social media. Now, I am, and you are, we're on social media. We are there. We have a presence. Yeah. But the number one way I generate clients is not from my presence on social media. And so one of the ways that I work with my clients is to discover what is their best way for Mm -hmm. them to market their business. And maybe it is with social media, but maybe it's not. I find that is uh, one of those things that it is, we're getting it from all sides as entrepreneurs. You need to be on LinkedIn. You need to be on Facebook. You need to be on Instagram. You need to do some reels. You need to do TikTok. And, you know, I'm like, overwhelming. I, yeah. So I've, I had some, oh, Twitter too. I forgot about that one. And then people say to me, I haven't seen you tweet in a while. I go, yep. Yeah, nope. (laughs) (laughs) You have not. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was uh, speaking on a virtual summit or something the other day and somebody said, oh, I'll message you on Instagram. I go, no. I said, I don't look at Instagram. And, And the person said, well, you're there. And I said, well, my virtual assistant might post there, but I don't go there to look for messages. So yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not necessary. So I teach marketing a little differently than a lot of other people might. I really like that because it's, it's really does become about the, the ideal client and where are they versus just spraying everything everywhere and hoping for the best. Yeah. And I like to think it's about, so for, let's take you for example, you know, what are your strengths? in terms of marketing. And I actually walk my clients through a proprietary process for pulling out of them. What are their strengths Mm -hmm. in terms of marketing? And then marry that with their ideal client where, and it's not just, you know, the demographics, but what does their life look like? Where are they hanging out? Where are they best going to see you? How can they best experience you? Will they spend the time? And then from that, 
choosing a marketing tactic or method that they can do. That's wonderful. Diana, I have learned so much from you today, and I know we could talk forever because that's yeah. just who we are. So we're going to put in the chat, but just real quickly, where can people get a hold of you? I make it very complicated for them. Okay, yes, of <laughs> Yeah, it's my website, which is my name, dianalidstone.com. There's a button in the top right-hand corner. They can book a call. You know, my podcast is there. Uh, there's some free gifts. There's different things that's... It's the hub. We will put a link to your website so that people can go investigate all the free goodies that you have. Thank you so much. Awesome. So thank you for your time today. The real bottom line here today is that you need to simplify to grow. Thank you. Wow. There was just so much learning in this episode. Do you want more? I have a special offer for the right entrepreneur, a complimentary one-on-one coaching session that is all about you, your business, and your goals so that you can accelerate your business and start to accelerate the growth of your network. Head over to wealthcoachwithwendy.com. There you will find a letter that kind of outlines all the details of this offer and also an application form. We have an application form because there's such a limited number of, of slots that we're opening up for this that we want to make sure that the people that um, uh, do are successful in getting the slot we can make the biggest difference with. So head over to wealthcoachingwithwendy.com and apply today. Thanks.